Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a Wednesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I am Dan Lobby. I'm joined by Mary Kay Cabot and Scott Patsko. How are you guys? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? I'm doing good. I'm getting more time in my basement over the past week than I think <laughs> I've gotten in the past year. So this is a nice change. Uh, all right. So obviously, this is, as we've said before, a daily thing. Uh, you've got to subscribe on Apple uh, Spotify, every place else, get subscribed to this so that uh, you can get this every day on your phone and, and listen to it while you're stuck at home or, or doing whatever it is that you're doing right now. You can listen to us every single day. Uh, and I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about Football Insider later. Yesterday was Texter Tuesday. So uh, if, you, if you missed out on that, uh, I'll tell you how to get in on Football Insider a little later. But let's, let's get to it. And as we kind of go through these things every day, it seems like there's a new kind of crazy topic to bring up and today we're going to talk about well we're going to start with baseball uh, because Jeff Passan reported today that uh, Major League Baseball and the Major League Baseball Players Association are trying to come up with a way for all 30 teams to play a bunch of games in the Phoenix area uh, they would use Chase Field spring training facilities other nearby fields players coaches and staffs would essentially be sequestered in local hotels they'd live there it sounds like a crazy reality show. Meanwhile, Adam Silver is, hasn't really made a decision. He says there won't be a decision until at least May 1st, if then. The NHL, meanwhile, they're kind of looking at a centralized playoff. We're in this weird spot, Mary Kay, where the NFL, which usually kind of has to set the tone on this stuff because it's the most popular league, uh, is kind of sitting back and letting their calendar play out while these other leagues try and figure things out. Well, they had to worry about the draft first. So I think that was uh, the number one priority was to figure out exactly when and how they're holding the draft. And now we know that uh, all of team officials will be individually at their homes conducting the draft virtually. Uh, so I think very soon it will be time to start thinking about will they be able to have training camps? Will they be able to have games? And of course, we know that uh, they have a little more time than some of the other leagues. But we know that uh, President Trump came out and was very optimistic, saying that he expects fans to be in the stands and the NFL to start on time. Uh, and that the, Roger Goodell basically said the same thing last week. But uh, then you have individual governors coming out, uh, including the governor of California, governor of Ohio, saying, whoa, whoa, we're not really 100% sure yet that we're going to be able to have large scale events like that and hold football games in the fall. So I think everything is still up in the air, but I think it's very important 
uh, that people are, are trying to think outside the box and trying to be creative. I even saw in, in China, they're going to be using blow up dolls in the stands. So, you know, anything can happen at this point. <laughs> I mean, it's, Scott, this all seems so, I, I tweeted this today. It feels like as these ideas are coming out, I'm in the middle of this just insane brainstorming session where you just kind of throw everything you can at a wall and, and kind of see what people come up with and what people like. Uh, everybody's sort of grasping at straws right now. Yeah, I, you know, the NFL is is the big dog of, of all sports leagues, but I think I get the feeling they're happy to to not have to deal with a lot of this right now. Yeah, the draft is going to be different, but, you know, essentially it's just going to be the same thing it always is. It's going to be people picking players and, and it's going to go on as normal. You know, they don't have to worry so much about how are we going to restart a season or how are we going to start a season at all, at least for a couple more months. So I get the feeling that they're happy to sit back and see what happens with, with baseball and, and the NBA right now. Uh, as for that NBA, uh, or as for the, the, the baseball idea of, of having people play in a bubble, I think it's, it's a horrible idea because it's not just the players. It's, you know, the, the people who work in the hotel where they're staying. It's the people who have to get the fields ready. It's, you know, all these other people around game and be involved in that it's it hurts my head trying to think of how how logistically how that would work you know and how many people people would have to get before they would shut that whole thing down that's that's another question they'd have to face yeah I mean I think you bring up a, a really great point there it's it's so easy to think about this as fans in the stands and players on the field but we've all been around you know obviously we all cover football now but we've all been around these other sports too right in in various capacities and, and we kind of know there's more to it than just you know, like in baseball, 26 players and a manager and some umpires. You've got training staffs. You've got uh, PR people. There's so many different entities that would have to be there. I'd assume you'd want some sort of media coverage. So, so you'd have at least some, some media there. Of course, if you want to do TV broadcasts, you'd have all of that there. I'm not convinced that if fans figured out where these players were, there wouldn't be some crazy people to try to figure out how to, to track down some of these players at their hotels and things like that. Um, right now it just feels, and a lot of these people I mentioned, they aren't making millions of dollars to do this. It just feels like it's going to be so difficult because of all the people involved. It does seem very unrealistic when you read that, uh, you know, sort of utopian way of trying to uh, create this little uh, Major League Baseball community environment, whatever they're doing. I mean, it just, it just doesn't seem like it would be possible to pull it off. And it just seems really weird, really weird. But everything is weird right now. Uh, and, and nobody knows really where this is going yet. Uh, I, I just keep hoping against hope that, I mean, what we really need is all of our brilliant scientists to come up with treatments and remedies so that we can get back to real life and be safe about it because that is the number one important thing for everyone is to be safe even when you're talking about like you mentioned scott throwing all these people together in a small uh, community all it takes is for one person to have who to have been exposed to someone with covid19 to blow that whole thing up and you could get two weeks into it and all of a sudden you could be pulling people right off the fields again. And I, I just think that um, we still don't know where this is going. I think that the medical, the docs uh, seem to be saying one thing and then some government officials seem to be saying another thing and nobody, there's really not a unified message. Uh, but Dan, you and I were talking about this a little bit earlier today uh, on the phone, we talked about this. It does seem like uh, there started to be 
uh, all these plans that, that came to light after President Trump had uh, a meeting with all the heads of sports officials. All of a sudden, we started to find out that the Masters was going to be in November and, you know, different things were, were going to be happening. So I think that people really want to get back to normal. It just has to be done the right way. Yeah, I mean, the conspiracy theorist in me, sorry, Scott, the conspiracy theorist in me kind of believes that, hey, it's no coincidence that Donald Trump was putting a little pressure on these commissioners. And maybe some of this stuff is leaking out just to kind of keep everyone at bay and, and make people realize, hey, we're trying to make this work, but we don't know if it's, here's this super unrealistic idea. You know, we'll, we'll see if we can make it work. We're trying. That's, that's the conspiracy theorist in me. When, when I hear this stuff come out, timed so closely to that phone call. Yeah, and I, I get that people want sports. We're a few weeks into this now, and, you know, you, you can only watch, you know, old NCAA tournament games so many times, I, and they all seem to involve Duke. I've seen Mike Krzyzewski <laughs> way too much over the past couple of weeks. I've seen the Cavs and the Warriors play too many times over the past few weeks. I'm ready for new sports, but I, I think when you start making plans, you start setting dates, you're just setting yourself up for, for having to change that. Um, yeah, I don't see the point in saying, okay, we're going to play the Masters at this date, or, or we're going to start, we're going to start the uh, NBA season at this date. Um, I, like Mayor De or Governor DeWine has said, I think you wait and see how this goes, and then once we get to a place where we can start getting back together, that's when you start talking about dates. And the, uh, the other thing is, Mary Kay, football is so different, right? I mean, I feel like we always say that, and sometimes it's, oh, whatever, come on. But football is so different. There's so many players. You got 53 players. You've got practice squads. You've got, I mean, I know in this baseball thing, they want to have expanded rosters. So maybe you'd have even more players. It's it's just logistically so much more difficult to pull off. Yeah. And you know, there are certain sports where I think you could actually try to make some things happen. It seems to me you could make golf happen somehow, some way because it's not contact, you don't have to have a lot of people, uh, you could spread people out enough, somehow, some way, maybe that could happen. Uh, but football, it's just, there's so much contact, there's uh, just, obviously, everyone in such close proximity with each other. Um, we did see something where Mike Florio did propose that uh, if they get started, if the NFL does get started and there's no high school or college football, uh, that th maybe they would do something uh, where they have football, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, or, or most of those days. And uh, I actually thought that was a, an interesting premise, uh, you know, something to think about. I, for one, wouldn't mind them spreading out the games like that so that so that there is a lot of NFL, but I don't know. What do you guys think about that? We've heard players, uh, I, as far as Wednesday, Thursday, Friday goes, we've heard players <laughs> talk about how that much they hate Monday night games just because of the quick turnaround. I can't imagine them going for turning around and playing on a Wednesday or a Thursday. I think that would be a tough sell for a lot of the players, especially the older guys uh, who have been through it for a while and know how long it takes to get their body back on the field. Yeah, they'd have to find creative ways to spread it out so that, you know, if you played on Wednesday, you're not playing again until next, you know, Wednesday or Thursday or something like that. Again, who knows how, how this could all take place. And then, you know, then we've got the whole international series and the Browns might have a game in London this year. And are any of those things going to happen? And I just, I just don't see how this is all going to get back to normal anytime soon. 
Yeah, it's, it's going to be challenging. Now, the one sort of advantage, I guess, that the NFL has, aside from the calendar, and these professional leagues in general have, is, you know, in college football and in high school football, it's sort of executive decision-making, and I'm sure there's there would be a lot of liability if they went out and they said, hey, yeah, we're having high school football season, and all of a sudden, you know, this thing hit like a team or, or something like that. Whereas at least in this case, you have the NFL and the NFLPA. They negotiate through something. They'd, they'd hopefully figure it out together. Uh, so maybe you lose a little bit of that liability. I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. That's my, uh, my junk lawyer talk. But I, I do think the fact that you have in a players association and a league kind of working on it, they'd come up with a system that, that would benefit both sides. But again, if, if we're here in July and we're talking about, well, the only way the NFL is going to play is they're going to take 32 teams and put them – you know, in West Virginia, or they're going to put them in Arizona or something like that. It just seems, that just doesn't seem like a real viable option considering the numbers involved. And again, so many medical personnel and just so much other stuff that goes around football that you have to be able to have. And and the staffs are bigger. The coaching staffs are so much bigger too. Yeah, you know what, there's also um, a study going on in some country, and I can't even remember where it is right now, that like half the people that they're testing are asymptomatic. Mm -hmm. And that is scary. Because if you're asymptomatic, and you're a carrier of COVID-19, and passing it on to other people, uh, that's just another reason why uh, I think it's going to be very challenging uh, to get things started up again, when we don't really have uh, the the medical treatment that we need. We don't really have uh, the immediate testing that we need, and we just don't know enough about this virus yet. I hope that everybody's right. I really hope uh, that Donald Trump is right, that Roger Goodell is right, and that everybody else uh, that that is trying to get sports back onto the courts and the fields and the golf courses. Uh, I they're so overly optimistic, uh, and I, I really hope that that it can happen that way. But it's it's just mind-boggling to think about how you can pull this off. I, I, I just can't see it right now. I would think at this point that the date the NFL has to be looking at is the end of July and the beginning of training camp. because And that's really when you start to lose things that you, that you absolutely have to have. I mean, OTAs, we wrote it all about last year. They're voluntary, right? Um, so if you don't have that, I know coaches like to install things during that time, but technically it's voluntary. If nobody showed up, there's nothing they could do. So you don't have rookie camp. You don't have OTAs. There's the mandatory, uh, what, three-day mini camp at the end of that OTA run. Um, you, you wipe that away and you go into training camp. So now you're looking at the end of July. And if we're still not at a point where you can have people together doing things, playing sports at the end of the July, then then – that's when the NFL, I think, starts to panic. At this point, um, I don't think they have to really talk about switching things up or dates at all. I think when you get uh, into July, that's when they have to get serious about, okay, are we pushing things back? Yeah, I mean, I think we have to look back at 2011, right, Mary Kay, when they had the, the CBA and they had a – I don't remember if training camp was shortened or not. I know they reached the deal right before camp and they had a shortened free agency. Uh, but But I guess that's sort of – what you're looking at there's there's probably um a date in the calendar maybe the first or second week of august where if you haven't started training camp by then it's going to be really hard to start the season on time 
Yeah, and here's the other thing to think about, and that is we've all heard that uh, this virus could wane, and in the summer months, it can kind of go away, and I think everybody will be kind of lulled into what I hope is not a false sense of security, but could be a false sense of security, and then it's supposed to be able to come back in whatever, November, when it gets chilly and, and cold again and flu season starts up again. So uh, these are also things to consider that even if everyone does get started uh, with, with their sports leagues, will they be able to continue? And, uh, you know, look, I just, before we move on, obviously we all want there to be football, you know, mm -hmm. sooner rather than later. It is our jobs. We want to be able to actually cover football uh, once, the, once the draft passes. It's going to slow down a little bit. We'll have a bunch of new prospects to write about, but um, not a lot to write about them because we won't get to actually see them on the field. So uh, certainly we're all, you know, fingers crossed that by the end of July, we're standing out there in training camp and there's 3,000 people in the stands and uh, things are back to normal. But uh, right now it feels very far away. And, you know, the NFL is kind of watching how these other leagues sort of go about their business as they make some contingency plans. All right, we're going to talk um, draft here in a minute. But first, I want to tell you about Football Insider. We'll be starting a texter mock draft uh, where we're going to have our Football Insider subscribers text in their picks. Uh, we've assigned teams, and they're going to make picks as we go. So you're going to see that. If you're not subscribed to Football Insider, you want to get subscribed so you can check that out and see who's picking. And there's still some opportunities as well to get involved in that. Uh, here's how it works. Uh, me, Mary Kay, Scott, Ellis Williams, we text you a few times a day, uh, breaking news, analysis, uh, little tidbits that we get from interviews. I know, Scott, when you talked to Joe Thomas recently, you saved some of that for our Football Insider subscribers. Uh, you can get breaking news first, sometimes before it's even up on cleveland.com. You get a newsletter every morning. It's only for insiders, and it features something you do not see on the site. Again, whether it's about the draft, free agency. Uh, I wrote a little bit about Demarius Randall the other day. Uh, you know, Mary Kay has written about Jadavian Clowney. I told you about the Joe Thomas thing that Scott wrote uh, and Kevin Stefanski's offense. You want to get involved and get a chance to read that and you get to text us directly. You can cut through the clutter of Facebook, Twitter, uh, and other social media, avoid all the trolls and talk directly to us. And of course, Texter Tuesday. It's the only way to get involved in that on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. So try a 14-day free trial. You can cancel any time with one text, but you won't want to because you're gonna be involved with everything we're doing. It's $3.99 a month after that trial. All you have to do is text me at 216-208-3965. Again, that's 216-208-3965. Or you can check out cleveland.com slash browns and click on the blue banner up at the top of the page. Okay, let's talk draft. Let's, let's turn our attention to actual football again. Um, Daniel Jeremiah's mock draft came out recently, and a very interesting thing happened in that mock draft, and that's at number 10, he had the Browns taking Isaiah Simmons. Uh, we, we've we've kind of done the Isaiah Simmons versus offensive tackle thing, but then I think we've all sort of pulled back on that a little bit because in our minds we're thinking there's no way Isaiah Simmons will be there at number 10, uh, but, but just sort of your instant reactions when you saw that, Mary Kay, Isaiah Simmons may be there at 10 for the Browns all of a sudden, at least you know, in Daniel Jeremiah's mock. Well, I'm intrigued by Isaiah Simmons. I think the Browns need a, a, a dominant player like that on defense that can kind of take over a game and do so many things, versatile. He can, he can rush, he can cover, uh, he can tackle, uh, he can get takeaways. 
So I like him as a player a lot. I liked his character. I like the leadership that he would bring to the table. And I think he brings the energy that this defense really needs. I think the only way that it is going to happen is if the Browns trade for Trent Williams. They've got to get that left tackle nailed down. And in that scenario, I could actually see it happening where if Isaiah Simmons was there, they would be able to take him if they have Trent at left tackle. Scott, what was your first reaction? Uh, my first reaction was our colleague Ellis Williams was probably doing a pre-draft <laughs> victory lap around his house uh, in Minnesota when he saw that. He's been on uh, the Simmons bandwagon for a long time. Um, I don't see him dropping that far. That's, I've been doing a mock draft roundup for, uh, for almost a month now, and it is rare. I think I've seen another one where he has dropped, but it's rare that he gets past uh, the Lions or even the Panthers. Um, so I would be shocked if he does fall that far. Uh, I think Mary Kay's right. Uh, the only way they make that move is if they get a veteran left tackle somewhere else. I don't think you want to come out of this draft without uh, some guy you know you can plug right in there, or else suddenly you're in, a position, you're in a position with left tackle that you used to be in with quarterback. You leave the draft, and, and, and you don't really have that position locked up. And I don't think the Browns want to be in that situation. Um, when you look at all the other talent they got on this roster, you don't want to leave left tackle hanging out there. It's a, it's a big question mark again. So, yeah, I'd be shocked if he makes it to 10. Yeah, I mean, I think you can get in a lot of trouble sometimes if you're just drafting for need. You know, quarterback aside, if you're just drafting for need, you can get yourself in trouble sometimes. That's when you reach for players and things like that. But this draft really does seem set up perfectly to both draft for need but also get – a guy that you should take at number 10 with one of those tackles. And, uh, you know, so he had the Giants taking a tackle, which seems like, you know, that's sort of going to give the Browns an idea of who might be there at number 10 in the tackle class. If the Giants go tackle or if they go Isaiah Simmons, uh, they'll have a pretty clear idea of who might be there, uh, barring some trade-ups. It just feels like if you ignore this left tackle position and Isaiah Simmons is a great player and, uh, I would be really tempted to take him and maybe between now and April 23rd, I'll change my mind three or four times, but it does feel like if you pass on that left tackle, you're risking sitting there in September or October and seeing Baker Mayfield get hit over and over and over again when you've addressed all those other areas of the line and, and you haven't addressed left tackle. Yeah. And that's why it's, it's possible to end up with both positions filled in a really uh, equitable way. I mean, Trent Williams is a seven-time Pro Bowler. There's the Bill Callahan connection. Uh, you know, he coached him in Washington. I'm sure, uh, you know, he knows what he's capable of. You'd basically be having almost a Joe Thomas caliber left tackle stepping in for you into that spot. That's basically what it is. Uh, because if he keeps going, uh, he will have as many Pro Bowls as Joe Thomas. So uh, he's probably, he has the potential to be a future Hall of Famer, just like Joe Thomas, and they would be set at that position. So I just don't think it's the craziest thing in the world uh, to land a Trent Williams and then to go out and still try to get a player the caliber of an Isaiah Simmons. Would that be knocking it out of the park for Andrew <laughs> Barry or what? Well, here's, here's a hypothetical. Let's say, uh, Daniel Jeremiah is right, and Isaiah Simmons is there at 10, and the Browns do draft him. There is the option, obviously, to trade back into the bottom of the first round and get somebody else. I have seen that a couple times on some, some mock drafts where the Browns, uh, and it wasn't necessarily Simmons, but the Browns trade down or 
or whatever the situation is. And then, you know, getting someone like Ezra Cleveland late in the first round or like a Joshua Jones uh, late in the first round, guys who aren't in that top tier, but they're still part of a, a, a tackle class that is, is pretty, is, is deep. I mean, it's through the first round. There's, there's talent there. So that's a possibility. But again, you're, you're coming away from, from the draft with, without one of the unquestioned top three or four left tackles that you could have had, even though Isaiah Simmons would look really good as a middle linebacker for the Browns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Daniel Jeremiah's case is an interesting one. Uh, he said, I'm going to pull it up here. He said, Simmons might be too good to bypass. He's the perfect defender to match up with the division's most dangerous playmaker, Lamar Jackson, which, of course, is what the Browns would be thinking. And I always, I always think back to that late September game uh, that the Ravens played against the Browns. It was their last regular season loss uh, of the year in week four. Nick Chubb went crazy. But I do think one of the things that stood out to me is I, I thought having Miles Garrett on one end and Olivier Vernon on the other and an, an athlete like Larry Ogunjobi in the middle, I think really helped the Browns. I don't want to say slow down Lamar Jackson. I don't know that anybody slows down Lamar Jackson, but I think having that athleticism all over the place on defense really helped them at least be able to match up a little better with Lamar Jackson. Of course, Miles was not there the second time the two teams played. So now you throw Isaiah Simmons in there, another athlete. You know, this is a guy that conceivably you're going to have to deal with for the next five to 10 years, twice a year. Um, it, it does make sense in that regard. Yeah. And I, I just feel like they need a game changer on defense and, you know, miles is supposed to be that. And I hope he will be more of that this year, but I, I still think that they need that guy, that player that uh, is a leader on and off the field, vocal, just that fiery nature. Uh, and I kind of get that vibe from an Isaiah Simmons, and uh, I think he would be a, a tremendous addition. And again, you need a good left tackle. You really do need a great left tackle, and it would be nice for them to nail that down, you know, for the next decade if they found their guy. But you know what? There's not any guarantee that a, you know, a drafted rookie, even if he's the highest rated offensive tackle in the draft is going to come in here and be that guy. Look what happened to Greg Robinson. And there are a number of guys yeah. like that that are supposed to, I mean, you see their college film and they're supposed to be so amazing. And then for whatever reason, they flop in the NFL. And it's, it's a scary proposition. So, uh, you know, that's another thing to think about. It's not like just because you draft an Andrew Thomas or a Jedrick Wills or, or a Mekhi Becton uh, that they are going to be a seven-time Pro Bowler. I think the Browns fans could probably uh, take comfort knowing that uh, Kevin Stefanski, Andrew Berry, and company probably have a plan for this exact scenario. If Isaiah Thomas is there, what do they do? Um, you know, Stefanski, I think it was, told us they have contingency plans for contingency plans. <laughs> so I'm sure that this is on the list somewhere, and uh, they won't be caught off guard if it does happen. Mm -hmm. this is this is what makes the draft fun right this is why we sit and watch it because this is why we sit and watch the commissioner call names for three four hours on a Thursday night <laughs> because you want to get to these moments where hey there's Isaiah Simmons and the Browns need a left tackle and you love to get to these moments where a team just has to show their cards they can't they can't lie anymore they can't use talking points anymore they got to show their cards and show what they want to do and then that kind of follows them because now Isaiah Simmons maybe gets mad that he got passed up and, you know, maybe ends up someplace where he's going to see Cleveland a few times. And 
you know, that, that's, that's, I guess, what, what kind of makes this whole draft process fun, as, as exhausting as it can be sometimes. And the other thing to consider is that even if he's not going to make it all the way to number 10, the Browns can trade up and try to get him if they like yeah. him that much. If they've already uh, nailed down a Trent at, at the left tackle spot, which if they do do that, I mean, you could really conceivably, he'll be 32 as he plays this season. Uh, you know, you could probably have him for another good four years or so at that position, playing at a very high level. I mean, he really seems to be uh, pretty healthy except for uh, the cancerous growth that was removed from his head. But I've talked to enough people that say that is not supposed to be an issue that is, you know, in the rearview mirror for him. So, you know, I, I really think that, um, you know, they could even think about trading up in the event that they wanted a Simmons that badly. Yeah, I look at their linebacking group and I think that that really makes Isaiah Simmons look attractive right now. When you, you got all the question marks you got uh, with last year's rookies and, and bringing in someone like B.J. Goodson, uh, is, are, they, are they the answer? Isaiah Simmons, Isaiah Simmons sure seems like he would be the answer. Mm -hmm. It would be it would be fun to watch in that Joe Woods defense. All right, so we're going to wrap it up there, our Wednesday podcast in the books. Again, if you're not subscribed, you should get subscribed because we are doing these uh, every single day. And so far, we've managed to do it. We haven't run dry of topics. It turns out the Browns are, are always something to talk about. So subscribe on Apple, Spotify. Make sure you leave reviews, especially if they're good reviews. Uh, make sure you leave those for us. And again, check out Football Insider. Uh, Cleveland.com slash Browns click the banner at the top of the page because you want to get in of course for this mock draft but also you want to be involved in the next Texture Tuesday because yesterday Scott we talked about TV shows we liked Neighbors we, uh, we answered any and every question you guys had not just about football but also life in general so you want to get involved in that check out Football Insider uh, for Mary Kay and Scott I'm Dan thanks for listening everybody